I'm the first to the party, please do not get the boy started Step back and drop 50 like Harden, insistent I need no assistance I make my own shots, you can't stop me, there's no way to guard him Except that you won't catch me flopping, you bring up a topic I'm catching the ball, never dropping, we covering every option Don't matter if we talking basketball, football or boxing We gon' acknowledge it, skip all the politics Honest opinions on top of that polished with No need to push an agenda, unlike the pretenders Who forcing your face, who they riding with We gon' talk real facts, Hey, noise you can kill that We the ones bringing the skill back, No, you can feel that No, you been waiting on someone to bring you the real back Party time, party time, excellent Turn it up, we turn to hoofs Never late, don't mistake us for no other bullshit shows Cause we the one Party time, party time, excellent Turn it up, we turn this up Never late, don't mistake us for these other shit shows Cause we the one, oh yeah Welcome to another episode of First to the Party. Actually, this is going to be the first episode with the new intro. Shout out to my man, Big Speech. A homie that I went to school with back in elementary school. Uh, childhood friend. Uh, sports fan. Dope lyricist. My homeboy, Tim Griggs. I appreciate you much love. Uh, my first episode with uh, the new logo. Uh, it's important to me. Uh, thank you, uh, Ashley Hardison, for making this logo for me. It's dope as fuck. Thank you. Um, this podcast, I'm about to start it off with some. It's going to be hotter flavor. I promise a lot more energy, but it's going to be something different than what y'all see on ESPN, Fox Sports 1. I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. I'm going to give it to y'all straight with the shit. Straight fire. Uh, this episode here, go talk about the Lakers, and it's going to be a playoff preview. Uh, as we all know, the playoffs start today. I know everybody hype as fuck, ready to sit in front of this TV and start it off. Uh, the first round is always hype as hell. Uh, games every day. Uh, a lot of the young teams. I'd be, I be excited for the young teams. I'd be excited for the Brooklyn's, Orlando, and of course my Pistons. You already, you already know what time it is with my Pistons. So, uh, I'm going to start it off today talking about the Lakers. I'm going to start off today talking about the Lakers. And the reason I'm talking about the Lakers is a couple of different scenarios and storylines. This playoff this year is the first time in shit forever, 14 years, that we have a playoff without LeBron James. Uh, everybody know how hard I am on LeBron. Everybody know. Uh, how critical I am of LeBron. But you can't take away from the motherfucker that he's a great player. Uh, great player. I don't think he's as good as everybody else say he is. But a uh, great player. Uh, one of the best in the world. Uh, and I admire and uh, I admire and love everything he do for the game. Uh, it's big It's big watch television no matter who he playing. Uh, he, he's great for the league. So I'm I'm looking to see how the ratings is going to go with the NBA. We're looking to see how well the playoffs are without him. And this is going to be a test. This is going to be a test to see what's going to happen in the future with the Lakers. 
and with the NBA. Are the NBA going to uh, venture off of profiling him as the best player in the world and go in a different direction going younger and profiling some of these younger players? Excuse me, or a different player. So uh, I think that's very important to pay attention to when it's in the NBA playoffs. Uh, I think him going to the Lakers profile what I've been saying for the longest, that he's been dominating and doing his thing in the East, but the East ain't what the West has been. Uh, if LeBron stayed East, you know what I'm saying, I'm quite sure whatever team he was on could be uh, a finals contender. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I said, like I said, the West is a different beast. LeBron, you go on out West, you plan to get some dogs every night. And it's a different type of game, too. On the East, you can slow it down and slow the tempo. In the West, you got to run up and down the floor with them young dogs. You got to see a beast every day. You know what I'm saying? You might get a break, you know what I'm saying, playing uh, Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? A young team like Atlanta is here and there on the East. But on the West, you got some killers. You know what I'm saying? You got to play Russ here tonight. Then you got to play Donovan Mitchell the next night. Then you got to play KD the next night. Luka, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think this shit woke his ass up. And like I always say, he went to L.A. for Space Jam. He went to L.A. for the shop. He went to L.A. for other shit. I don't think it was basketball at first. That's why he's so hung up on getting a superstar like A.D., somebody that can carry the flag while he, while he uh, load managing, if you understand what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, a first to the party, first to the party. This this podcast is about predictions, and and about giving you insight on shit that you might not see. And the first thing I want y'all to open y'all eyes to is don't get so caught up in the last the latest moves that the Lakers did. Don't get caught up in the Lakers. Oh, Magic Johnson stepping down without telling nobody. I think that that's a that was the Lakers doing. I think that was G.D. Buss and Magic Johnson doing. And I don't think it's no beef. I don't think it's no bullshit between them two or they fell out or nothing like that. But Magic told you in his press conference, I can't talk to players like I want to talk to. I can't maneuver the way I want to talk to. I can't text people the way I want to talk to them in this, in this manner. Magic always been a Laker. He just got the title now. So Magic put his hard work and effort into last year and he's about to put it into next year but with next year I could talk to players the way I want to talk to without getting fined no money Magic and Genie Buzz still working together like he said that's his sister so what homeboy about to be doing is I can do all the tampering and talking to other motherfuckers and telling them what LA is about and promoting and recruiting LA without getting fined so you got to sit back and watch who the next general manager going to be going to L.A. Don't be surprised if it's some guys with some Laker ties. You know what I'm saying? Somebody that's real close to, to, to Magic. Look at Rob Palenka. He's very close. He's real close to Kobe. Don't be surprised if you see Kobe come in there and take that job. Don't be surprised. Another move they made, they fired Luke Walton. Now, I would be so I would be more I would be on the end of are they beefing or did he really stepping away from the from the organization if Luke Walton asked was staying and then he did. 
But Luke Walton was a move that we already seen coming. Everybody already seen that Luke Walton was getting fired. We knew that was a move that Magic wanted to make. I think as an organization, that's what they wanted to make. And I think that they all still in cahoots. It was time for Luke to go. The older players didn't really fuck with it. And we all know the younger players didn't fuck with him. The younger players didn't fuck with him because uh, I'll give you one example, the Lonzo Ball situation. Magic Johnson drafted Lonzo Ball, giving him the keys to the team. Giving him the keys to the team, saying, you know, Showtime is back. His style of play, Showtime, all that shit is back. And I think Lonzo Ball was the right pick. I think getting rid of D'Angelo Russell was the right pick. We're going to sit, now, now we're going to talk about D'Angelo Russell a little bit later when we talk about Lonzo Ball and everything else, but we still on Luke Walton. Luke Walton didn't give Lonzo Ball the backing. When they first got Lonzo Ball, Luke Walton was talking about uh, his daddy don't run shit. He going to play the way I want to play him. He's uh, play him three minutes, sit him down the rest of the first quarter, and then bring him back in. And You heard LeVar come out and say shit like, you can't play Lonzo like that. You can't put the kid gloves on him. Send him out there into the fire. Let him go out there and play. Play him all the minutes. Now you look at Lonzo minutes and compare him to rookies this year like Trey Young and, and Luka Doncic and uh, players like that. Lonzo didn't play the minutes that they played his rookie year. Also, the person that won rookie of the year, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons averaged somewhere around 16 points, nine uh, rebounds, eight assists. Or Alonzo is a point guard, the same position that Ben Simmons played, but the difference between them two is Ben Simmons is 6'10". Alonzo is 6'6". Alonzo averaged 11 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Damn near the same numbers, but just a smaller player. You could argue that if he was his size, he was he probably would score more points. Just off size alone. He can shoot better than Ben Simmons. That ain't saying much, but still. He a better shooter than Ben Simmons. Just as good as passer. And in my opinion, just good as, he's, he's, he's Ben Simmons, just smaller. So, you know, Luke Walton didn't buy into that. Luke Walton didn't buy into the younger players. You know what I'm saying? The younger players fed off Alonzo. You could tell in a relationship with Ingram and Hart and Kuzma. All those guys are best friends. You know what I'm saying? So, that type of shit uh, goes a long way because those are the players that have longevity with the Lakers. Not longevity, but they have longer contracts. Everybody else have one-year deals. So, you know, the young players in Le- and LeBron are the only players that have long-term a long-term future with the Lakers. So you have to get those guys to buy on. You have to get, have to get those guys to buy in and 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 really grow with the, with the with the with the with the organization. So they had to let Luke go. LeBron never really respected Luke. LeBron's going to have to. Another issue is LeBron's going to have to take his role as the player. He's not the GM. He doesn't pull any strings. He's going to have to be a player. And even and not just a player, but LeBron's going to have to be a different player than he's ever been in his career. He's going to have to step away from being the primary ball handler and start going to the block and scoring. Because him with the ball in his hands on the perimeter and blowing past a lot of players ain't happening no more. 
not saying LeBron can't blow past people, but right now at his stage of his career, he's starting to show that he's slowing down. Injuries are starting to happen because he's an older player. So he's going to have to let these young players set him up. Some players like Lonzo Ball get him into the offense. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and get on a block where you're closer to the basket. You can use your size to score. Similar to what he was like in Miami, where he had the best years of his career. Then take the mismatch on certain games. Certain nights when you had a bigger player that you could get past. You know what I'm saying? You use that. But LeBron can't be the system anymore. He has to play inside the system. LeBron could be a player. LeBron is, uh, he could be a player to where he can lead the league and score. LeBron can lead the NBA and score. And that might be what the Lakers need. You know what I'm saying? He has to be where James Harden is at. You don't have to be the primary ball handler, but he can take nights off on defense because he's putting so much on the offensive end. I don't really believe that LeBron can average about 35, 36 a game, you know what I'm saying, in L.A., and the Lakers would be a top-five team in the, in, in the league. But that's where LeBron has to get to. LeBron has to uh, be that player now. You know what I'm saying? And LeBron can easily, with his IQ, get where you are five assists, six assists. You know what I'm saying? He can still get you those six, seven, eight assists a game without even being the focal point of the offense as far as being a primary ball handler. Just off his IQ, when the W team come here is a kick. You know what I'm saying? Things of that nature. Utilizing these younger players more and just focusing on scoring. That could be LeBron. I think that's what LeBron should be doing now. Um, another issue with the Lakers and why they didn't make the playoffs is, like I said earlier, Magic Johnson. The comments that Magic Johnson made Early this season, when he said that we want Anthony Davis, that shouldn't come from the GM, somebody that these players work for. Because now these young players are looking at it like, damn, you don't fuck with us no more? You don't want us? You know what I'm saying? Because they see Magic Johnson, president of basketball operations. Whereas if he makes these comments as Magic Johnson, NBA legend, oh, he's just another NBA legend. You know what I'm saying? He just not there be a legend making these assumptions. He's no different than what Chauncey, Jalen, Paul Pierce, and these motherfuckers on TNT, Chuck, and I'm saying. So if he sits back and goes in that in that route and say, well, you know, as outside of the Lakers organization, still pulling his strings and recruiting other players to go to the Lakers and tell them how good the Lakers are, he could. You know what I'm saying? When he say that, when he makes those comments, it won't affect the younger players. Like I said, those younger players have a future with this organization, contract wise. But if you're, out, but if you, president of basketball operations, are putting us in trade talks, no. Why? Why are we gonna play for you, Cuz? We ain't playing for you. We ain't going out here and playing. Fuck y'all. You gotta remember these young players. There's a lot of emotions. These people are still human. These motherfuckers still human, bro. You know what I'm saying? You got these young players who they openly came out and said, you know what I'm saying? LeBron James is our favorite basketball player. Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, all these look, all these young motherfuckers, you know, grew up on LeBron James. They was kids when LeBron was in the league. So they, you know what I'm saying? They grew up with LeBron being their favorite player. And then when Magic and LeBron said, Yeah, I love to play with AD. Then you hear your name and trade talk, she felt like, damn, this nigga don't want to play with me. He don't want to fuck with me. And then you got to hear all that shit as a young 20-year-old kid. You know what I'm saying? You heartbroken. You crushed. This your, this your childhood, you know what I'm saying, role model, somebody that you looked up to, 
Magic Johnson, who's a uh, who's your boss and an NBA legend, openly coming out saying that they want AD. That's where the issues came from. But now if you Magic Johnson, if you can step back from that president of basketball operations, you can say whatever the fuck you want to say, and you don't even have that title. They still do your they still do your recruit this shit for LA. Magic always been in LA since he got drafted to LA. He ain't never left LA. He gonna always be LA. So if you remove him from that equation and you get another mind, another strong mind to LA that can attract players to LA. You gotta get a GM that can attract players to LA. And you gotta get a coach that can attract players to that can attract players to LA. And this shit will work. You know what I'm saying? I've been hearing a lot of shit about Talu. I don't fuck with Tyron Lue at all. I don't fuck with Ty Lue as a coach. I don't fuck with that shit at all. We know that he close to LeBron, and we get that shit. So you're going to hear a lot of motherfuckers' names that LeBron is close to. But like I just said, LeBron can't be the system right now. LeBron has to be a part of the system. There's a, there's a coach out there that I really wholeheartedly believe that deserves another shot in the NBA, and he's been being fucked over in the NBA. And that, and that coach... Is Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson is responsible for developing and creating what we see right now as a juggernaut in Golden State. He made those players. He created those players. You know what I'm saying? He created that system. Steve Kerr just elevated that system. He pushed the right buttons and put the right pieces in the right position. But I wholeheartedly believe that if you bring Mark Jackson in here, what he brings into that locker room, would be key and vital. Those players will look at him. He's going to grow these kids up. He's going to mature them. He'll put them in the right position to be successful. So I believe Mark Jackson should be the, the coach. And I think you need a, 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 a an electric GM. Somebody that is that is has ties to the current crop of players. And he don't necessarily have to have uh, Laker ties. But if I was the Lakers, I would go after Chauncey Billups because he's cool with all the players that's still in the league. He's cool with the older players that he went to war with, and he has a voice. You know what I'm saying? He's charismatic. You know what I'm saying? And he can talk to them young players with the with the same voice that a player would talk to him with. You know what I'm saying? He's respected around the league by his peers and, 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 and the older he is as well. So you get somebody like Chauncey in there, and that can make some shit happen. Uh that's where I met with the Lakers. And my next segment, I'm gonna start going into these playoff matchups and where I think they're gonna uh how I think they're gonna play out, my predictions for the next round, and just point out some analytics. Yeah. <laughs> Young dog got some analytics for y'all. Like I said, it's first of the party. Welcome back to First of the Party. I'm start off this playoff, this playoff preview right real quick. Uh first we're gonna start with the first game of the night of the day. At 2.30, we got the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Big game. I think it's a big, exciting game. A lot of people want to see what Brooklyn going to do. Brooklyn's a nice, young, exciting, scrappy-ass team that has caught the hearts of a lot of uh, fans in the NBA this year. Everybody been fucking with D'Lo heavy. D'Angelo uh, Russell has been balling out this year. Uh He's been doing his thing. Uh, 
I said in the Lakers in the, in the Lakers segment a little bit ago about uh, Lakers making a, uh, the right decision in trading him. I think it was big for everybody. Uh, it was good for for for, for D'Angelo and it was good for the Lakers. Uh, D'Angelo gets a fresh start, and the Lakers got uh, a franchise point guard and Lonzo Ball. It might not show yet, but I think eventually it will show with the right pieces. You're going to see Lonzo playing at a high level. And we can't remember, we can't forget D'Angelo Russell snitching on the whole Laker, you know, snitching on Nick, Nick Young. At that point in time, D'Angelo Russell <laughs> was on was most hated. You had to get that energy out of the organization because you can't be telling your homeboys when niggas doing their dirt. You feel me? But uh, we're back uh, on this Brooklyn-Philadelphia situation. Good start over for D'Lo. Uh, been balling. All-star this year. Um, we're going to start with the injuries. We'll start off with uh, Philadelphia. Uh, today they got Jimmy Butler as probable for the game. You know, uh, by the end of the day, everybody's limping into the playoffs. Everybody's banged up. Everybody got aches and pains. But um, today, you know, Jimmy Butler's probable with a back injury. And Joel Embiid, surprisingly, has been downgraded to doubtful with a knee injury. You already know how 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 fragile, you know, that Joel is and the type of uh, the toll that his body takes as far as on his lower body. Uh, this is huge. Uh, I can see Brooklyn taking game one if he does not play today. Uh, Brooklyn has a lot of weapons, man. They got a lot of weapons, and they can attack you from a lot of different areas. Uh, they have a lot of good three-point shooting, uh, and they got some one-on-one. They got some players that can go ISO, you know what I'm saying, and get buckets. Um, Joel is a, a key matchup because him and Jared Allen looks like a really good matchup. Jared Allen is a player that holds his own. Jared Allen is a player that can block shots and run the floor and do a lot of different things, uh, finish around the basket and things of that nature. So Joel playing, you know, with how efficient that he is scoring the basketball and getting to the line is going to be key in this matchup. And we all know the, the uh, deficiencies that Ben Simmons has. And uh, Philly is a better team with Joel on the floor, period. So, um I don't know how serious this knee is. I don't know. Uh, I know the injury history with Joel, but uh, if Joel, if Joel fucked up and he can't give, and he can't, he can't go. Philly gonna have a hard time. Uh, Jimmy Butler ain't been looking like uh, Chicago Jimmy in the last few years in Minnesota and here with Philly. Uh, Tobias Harris is a really good player. Ben Simmons is a good player, but Ben Simmons' lack of uh, jump shooting is an issue. And if he can't go out there and get you uh, 25 without Joel B, Joel and B, then Brooklyn is some motherfucker, and then Philly is some fucking pro- in some trouble. Because um, they go out to score, you know. They go out to, you know, this Brooklyn team plays defense. They scrappy, and they got some players that can go out there and get some buckets. Now, to the Brooklyn injuries, uh, Damari Carroll was upgraded to probable with a wrist injury. He's a, you know, defender, uh, 3-and-D type player, energy player. Allen Crabb out for the season with his knee. Uh, he's been out for a while, so we all know he was gone. And Joe Harris, 
the foot. He's been upgraded to probable too. Uh, Joe Harris is important for this team because he's a, a sniper, three-point shooter. He won a three-point shootout this year, and uh, he's a very good three-point shooter, and they rely on his shooting a lot. So that's important for them. But this Brooklyn roster with Karis LeVert, who came back from that nasty ankle injury uh, earlier this season, he's still feeling his way out. He's still fighting. You know, whatever. He has his games. He has his days where he's very efficient. And, you know, you see where he has the rust. He's trying to get back. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. D'Angelo Russell. Those three players can go ISO and get their baskets whenever they need to. Whatever the matchup, whatever bullshit matchup they have, they're going to go after and they're going to attack it. I can easily see one of them picking on J.J. Reddick throughout this series and going off for 30 on his ass. Uh T.J. McConnell, who is a very good uh, on-ball defender, I can see D'Angelo Russell or whoever's you know, or whoever he guard putting his ass on the block. You know what I'm saying? They are going to attack the weak links on defense. Um, you got to look at uh, Shabazz Napier off the bench as well. He's another uh, shifty ball handler who can get his own basket and set other people up when he breaks down the defense and get in the paint. He's going to be very important, uh, impactful in this series as well. You're going to have to pay attention to these teams, man. You're going to have to pay attention to this to these teams. These teams are very similar. You know, they're they, I mean, they have, you know, they are very similar and they they're kind of identical in, in certain ways. Um, just looking at the head to heads, in the last in the head to head in the last ten, the record is six and four. For Philly and four and six for Brooklyn, so and the scores have been like in the averages. And this is per eye chart. Uh, Philly one sixteen, Brooklyn one fifteen. Uh, I don't know how many of these games are with Joel and without Joel, but just in the last ten games, that means from this year and last year, they've been pretty identical. They've been they've been they've been very competitive. They've been very close. Uh, Brooklyn's winning the halftime at sixty. Uh, points per game at halftime and 50, 58 for uh, Philly. So that means they're starting off starting off fast with the uh, field goal percentage is 48% for Philly, 47 for Brooklyn. So this shit is very, very fucking close. The only edge that is very wide is the three-point shooting, and that's for Brooklyn. That's at Brooklyn hitting 124 out of 308, and Philly hitting 99 out of 265. So, the three-point shooting that I mentioned with Brooklyn seems to be the edge. Uh, it's going to come down to health. It's going to come down to health. And uh, I think you're, you're going to see in this one, in this uh, series, a lot of, uh, of storylines coming in, coming into play. You're going to see a lot of shit what people's talking about, uh, Ben Simmons and Joel, can they coexist? Uh, or you're gonna hear a lot of shit about Joel and his his uh, his injury history. Can he, you know, will he be around for a while, or will he be the next Yao Ming? You know what I'm saying? Is it, so you're gonna see a lot of this shit, man, and a lot of the imp- future implications of the Philadelphia 76ers from this series. Uh, whether Jimmy's coming back at the end of the year, Tobias is coming back. You know, they kind of traded away a lot of their younger assets and, and building blocks uh, for these players of the now and going for a run for it now. 
which I kind of don't understand. I really don't. Uh, you know, they traded away Dario Sarge and they traded away Robert Covington and Markel Fultz for the now. And now, look at where they're at. If both of those players leave, then you're stuck with me and, and Joel. So, my prediction for this uh, series, I think it's going to be a seven-game series, and I think it's going to be very, very competitive, and I think it's going to be very close, and I think it's, it might be the best series in the first round, but I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Uh, if Philadelphia is healthy, I see them winning. I see, I can see uh, uh, Joel uh, being a difference maker in this series, and I can see him uh, dominate on the block and uh, – could be a similar situation to how we've been seeing Boston come up with Brooklyn. A young team that's going to be here for a long time, and you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of promise, and Brooklyn will be put on the map. So uh, that's my prediction for that series. And uh, I'm hoping for a really, really, really good, exciting series. Uh, the next series we're going to talk about is the 530 game between the – Toronto Raptors and the Orlando Magic. Now, Orlando's one of those teams that a lot of people don't know about. They're one of those teams that uh, people uh, don't see. They don't see Orlando a lot. So um, they don't really know about the team. But Orlando has some very good pieces over there. And um, they're another – this this – this matchup is another close matchup when you look at the numbers. And I think with the situation that Toronto is in, uh far as with uh, Kawhi Leonard, and they don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard, that's going to take a toll on them in this playoff, especially as the games get tougher. Because we already know some of those players in Toronto are mentally fragile just from their situations in the previous season's playoffs. Uh by LeBron owning them and things of that nature. But Orlando's one of these teams that got hot. They've got hot lately. Uh, they have some players that can score the basketball, and they can, that can hurt you. Um, one of them is Nikola Vucevic. Uh, he's on the injury report as uh, sick. So yeah, they got him as probable. Uh, Jonathan Isaac also with the jaw is probable. He's upgraded to probable. And we all know Markel Fultz and Mo Obama are out. Um, but Toronto's pretty healthy. They don't have anybody hurt. But with Kawhi Leonard um, and his situation in free agency, I think that's going to haunt them throughout the playoffs. I think this series could be closer than a lot of people think. I, I think that um, Kyle Lowry and his comments about the organization, well, I don't get along with anybody here. I just work here. And the shit that he said, I think that's going to take a toll on it as well. And this team isn't. This team doesn't really have the camaraderie of a team that's been playing together for years. We got to look at, we got to remember that, uh, you got to remember that DeMar DeRozan isn't here. That's somebody they got accustomed to and they were, you know, comfortable with. This starting lineup is totally different from uh, Lowry, Green, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Siakam, and Marc Gasol. You know, Marc Gasol has been, this is the first time in years that he's been playing meaningful basketball. So he's for the first time in about three, four, or five years that he's playing playoff basketball. So I'm, I'm quite sure he's excited, but he's not the same player that he was. So I don't know. That's going to be the, the matchup. 
and Nikola Vucevic, who's been playing at – he's an all-star this year. He's been playing very good basketball. Can he uh, exploit Marcus All as not being the same Marcus All? And if he can do that, then it's going to be very, very close. They're going to be very close. Um, Aaron Gordon, young player who's looking for the big stage, first time in the playoffs. So he's going to be shaky. You know, they're going to be shaky. Uh, but he has uh, superstar potential. But we've been talking about this shit with him for years. And he has to uh, grasp that. He has to, you know what I'm saying, make that superstar potential come to life. Uh, we all know he's athletic and what he can do in the air as far as dunking. He's uh, he's improved his game, his three-point shooting and things of that nature. But he's going to have to get out there and make some plays happen. He's going to have to get out there and exploit some shit. But I think that uh, Pascal Siakam, and him are going to match up together, and I can see Pascal just locking him the fuck up. Pascal Siakam is uh, probably going to win most improved player of the year. Pascal Siakam has elevated his game crazy. Uh, we already know how, you know, the, what, what the development they have in Toronto that came from, you know what I'm saying, with Dwayne Casey and them. So we're going to get to that later with, the, with my Pistons, baby. But, um, um, Pascal Siakam, I can see him just gobbling cuz up. Uh, but I think this one's going to be closer than what everybody's thinking. I can see this going five or six games, but I can ultimately see Toronto pulling this one off and um, winning this series. Toronto, it's been closer to the last 10 games, six and four to Toronto. And all the, you know, all the numbers have been close. Uh, scored the 105 to 108, I mean, 104, you know, for Toronto in the last 10. Um, field goal percentage edge goes to Orlando. Rebounding edge goes to Orlando. Um, Three-point shooting though goes to Toronto, and that's the widest margin. But um, like I said, you got to be careful with these games. These young teams is going to come out there, and they're going to play with a lot of excitement, especially on them home game, on their home floor. It's going to be crazy. Um, the next game going to it's the later game, 8 o'clock game, the defending champion, Golden State Warriors. And the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't even think we have to really go through this. Uh, the only storyline we got through this is uh, Steph Curry, Pat- Patrick Beverly. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to love seeing Pat Bev guard Steph and uh, see and see them further their, uh, their uh, rivalry. But... Um, I just think Golden State is just going to be too tough, too much for uh, the Clippers to handle, and the Clippers are going to ultimately be outmatched and swept in the first in the first round. I ain't about to dig into this shit, but to waste my time, y'all time, and this shit, we already know what Golden State going to do. The only chance that the Clippers have is uh, if Lou Williams averaged 50 points per game off the bench, Steph Curry break both his ankles, Kevin Durant go joins the Knicks right now. Boogie do his Achilles again, and Draymond keep trying to grow his hair out. That's the only chance the Clippers got in this motherfucker. And uh, I'm going to the last game of the day. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, San Antonio Spurs. This one's going to be good. This one is going to be really good. You got Pop. Going against the young up and coming Denver Nuggets and my and, and, uh, and Mike Malone. 
injuries. Dante Cunningham, you know, he probable. Uh, Chante Murray, we already know he tore his ACL for San Antonio, but we all know that the, no, Dante Cunningham really don't play a, a role over here in San Antonio. Um, it's going to come down to experience. Pop is going to get these guys up to play. This is going to be a good series. Pop is going to get these guys up to play. You know, Pop's going to push them and put them in the right positions to be successful. He's going to get these guys up and ready to play. And don't be surprised if San Antonio wins this series. they actually been winning the last 10. Out of the last 10 games, they're 6-4. and four. You know what I'm saying? So they hold the – they hold, you know, send the advantages over Denver. Denver is the second seed in the West. But, man, San Antonio, Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich coming into arena is no different than Mike Tyson coming – is a ring walk. Just him coming down, you know what I'm saying, into the arena, you're going to be scary. You're going to be scared. What is Pop going to draw up to defeat us tonight? That's the type of shit that you're going to see. So with that said, I'm going, you know, the Spurs with DeMar DeRozan, you know how efficient he is in getting to the free throw line. This is the playoffs. The game is going to slow down. It's not going to be that fast up and down shit that we've seen in the, in the, in the, in the, in the regular season. It's almost going to look like two different games. It's going to look like two different leagues when it comes to the playoffs. And DeMar DeRozan and getting to the free throw line and getting players like Gary Harris and Malik Beasley in the foul trouble is going to be key and it's going to be vital. So, you're going to look for that. LaMarcus Aldridge is another player that gets to the line. He gets to the line very, very frequently. So, the free throw shooting is going to be important. We all know how good San Antonio is offensively. They're the best offensive team in the league. They're rate number one. The three-point shooting is off the damn charts. You got guys like Brent Forbes over there. Bellinelli went back over there. Uh, and... Um, White, the uh, young kid White out of Colorado has been playing tremendous. Starting at point guard, he's been doing really good. Uh, Patty Mills off the bench. You know, these guys still got some pieces over there. Rudy Gay being a veteran and him knowing how to, him defending and knowing how to pick his spots and score when needed. You know, they still got the young players in Yaku Porto that they got for uh, Kawhi Leonard. So San Antonio... They're not the same Spurs, but in this type of system, in this playoffs, they're going to be dangerous. Uh, Denver. Where do we start about Denver? Denver has so many fucking weapons. Uh, Nikola Jokic, who, in my opinion, is the best big man in the league, uh, feels the stat sheet, assists, rebounding, scoring. He's going to have a. Uh, he's going to be very key to them being uh, successful. Uh, Jamal Murray is going to have to get out there and light it up. And I think this one is going to be a seven-game series, but the difference is being in that altitude in Denver. I can see them getting up, running, 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 running. And, you know, the older players from San Antonio, are they going to be able to keep up? Uh, Malik Beasley off the bench, Gary Harris. Uh, These type of young players that can score and light it up, you know what I'm saying, quick instances, you know what I'm saying? So seeing what Isaiah Thomas is going to do off the bench. Um He's going to be key. He's going to be vital, you know what I'm saying, because he's looking for that payday. And he's going to make his name not off the regular season where nobody's really watching, but in the playoffs where everybody's watching. He's come off that bench and he's dropping 15, 16, 17 points a game in limited minutes. Then you're going to start seeing, okay, he's looking like that max player again. And if he's looking like that max player again, then you can see Denver going far. 
really far. You see them really go on really far in the playoffs. So that's going to be the narrative with this series too. If he's out playing Jamal Murray and he's scoring the ball crazy, and you're going to see Isaiah Thomas as that uh, one of those players looking for a max contract in the in the in the off season, and you can see Denver going far. But in this one, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Denver in six. I know I said I can go a seven-game series, but I can just see them just overwhelming them with their running and their pace, and I can see them winning this one in six. And I think Denver needs this. Last year they missed the playoffs, and I can't see them going with a, with the progression that they've made from this year and last year. I can't see them uh, going, you know, one and done. I think it would just hurt their progression. I think it just stunt their progression altogether. So I can see them going uh, six. So I'm gonna go in this prediction. I'm gonna go Denver in six. Um, tomorrow's games. The first game tomorrow, Denver, Boston. Denver and Boston. I mean, Indiana and Boston, my bad. One o'clock game. Uh, this one's going to be scrappy. This one's going to be... Uh, this, this one is the tale of one organization looking like they're shooting up and going and going for it all and being the future is bright and the other one seems to have a lot of turmoil around it. And that's what I look like look at in Indiana and Boston. Boston has so many fucking storylines of Kyrie saying there's been a lot of bullshit in this uh this year and it's been him not committing to Boston long term. Uh this one this series could and the Celtics. This one could end the Celtics. Because you got a team that plays hard every damn night in Indiana. They're physical. They defend. And they have a lot of different players that can go out there and get buckets. Right now, they are you know, they got a lot of different players that can go out there and hurt you. You don't know which one is going to hurt you tonight. You know what I'm saying? They got a lot of different weapons. Their only issue is scoring. Their only issue is um, consistently getting these points every game. So, um, you got star lineup for Indiana is Collinson, Wesley Matthews, Bogdanovich, Thaddeus Young, and uh, Miles Turner. It's a lot of defense on that. From the four, four of the five players are very good defenders: Collinson, Matthews, uh, Turner, and Thaddeus Young. Bogdanovich. Is solid. He gets great effort, but he's a scorer. You know, he's an elite shooter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Wesley Matthews is a good three-point shooter. Uh, Miles Turner. <laughs> I'm very frustrated with Miles Turner because of what he does and the potential of him scoring. He's a very good shooter, but he's just so inconsistent at scoring. But this defensively, they're going to stay in this series, and they're going to be very competitive. They're going to be very, very fucking competitive. And I think Boston's issues are going to hold them back. You know what I'm saying? But Kyrie, uh, this isn't the same team from last year because you have a player like Kyrie. Kyrie, the ball gets in his hands, and he does a lot of dancing with the ball. He likes, does a lot of, you know, dribbling the ball and ice on it. And in this system in Boston, they're more effective when the ball is moving around. That's why they were so good last year. That's why everybody else's numbers were up last year. And this year, everybody else's numbers are down. And um, 
their numbers are down and Kyrie's is up. That's because the ball isn't moving. So if that ball ain't moving, that's when you have your issues. That's when you have your bullshit. That's when uh, you get the players chirping. And then with the numbers going down and Kyrie's going up, the losses, you have more losses. The win-loss record is different from last year. You know what I'm saying? They have uh, had way more wins last year, and they were very more effective. They were much more effective last year, and they were much more talented this year than they were last year. And that's where the issues come in. At Boston has their issues, and I think the organization of Boston has handled it, handled it perfect because they didn't give Kyrie the money and let him just go ahead and ruin the situation. I don't think Kyrie and Boston are good for each other, and I think that if Boston does get bounced in the first round or they get bounced, period. In these playoffs, if they don't get to the finals, Kyrie is gone. Kyrie is on his way out of here. And I can see him in New York. So, um, and the young players, you know, Kyrie's saying that they don't listen or, you know, they don't trust me. They don't, you know, to take us, take, to follow my lead and things of that nature. They don't get, the, get it. And I, I had to apologize to LeBron because this is what he's going through. Brother, this is a totally different situation than what LeBron went through. I'm going to keep it real with your weird ass. Fucking weirdo. Them boys last year went to the motherfucking Eastern Conference Finals and went seven with LeBron without your ass and without Gordon Hayward. So in their mindset, we don't fucking need you, bro. That's why Boston didn't get rid of uh, Terry Rozier. Because if they got rid of Terry Rozier, they had no replacement for your ass if you left. So they don't give a they don't give a damn if you come or go because they another thing that Boston still has is draft picks. So they're going to continue to keep bringing in young talent. They still have draft picks. They're going to pick high again in this draft. So they're going to keep adding young players. And I wouldn't be surprised they added another point guard to be a backup to Terry Rozier. You might see an instance where Boston might just tell Kyrie at the end of the season, "Now nah, we straight, bro," and let him walk. And it might be addition by subtraction, just like the Pistons was with Josh Smith. I just don't think that it fits. I'm not saying Kyrie's not a good player. I think Kyrie's a great player. I just don't think he fits with Brad Stevens and their offense. But in this series, I can see it going seven games. I think it's going to go seven. Uh, injuries, both teams are fairly healthy. We all know that Oladipo is out for the season. That's the only injury for uh, Indiana. The injury for Boston is Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is out. For the first two rounds. So that's another key defender on that team. A starter. And, you know, that's a starter. So um, I can see that being an issue. Uh, I think seven games. And I think ultimately uh, Boston's offense will be be too much for them. So I can see it going seven. And Boston's offense being too much. Um, The the next game. Three o'clock game. This is a big one right here. This is a really big one right here. And I think it's big because of the beef. I love beef. I like beef. I know my little chunky ass like to eat beef. But the beef here is Dame Dollar versus Russ Westbrook. Everybody know I don't fuck with Russ. I think that all them stats are fabricated. Uh, We've seen videos of uh, the centers rebound, uh, boxing out and having him get the rebound and him forcing people to shoot for all these stats and shit. I think he's still hungry over the KD shit and salty as fuck. Uh, I love his demeanor. I love I love his demeanor and how he uh, plays hard and shit. 
and he don't give a fuck about nobody. But um, Russ and Dame have a big beef, and they go at each other every time they play. Every time they play. I'm sure you've seen the videos and know about the beef, but this is one that's going to be real good. Uh, injuries. Paul George, you know, even since the All-Star break, he's been dealing with this shoulder injury, and his game has tumbled since uh, the shoulder injury. He's still playing at elite level or whatever, but he's not been the same MVP candidate since the shoulder injury. Uh, Andre Robertson, we all know from the leg injury last year, he's been off for all, he's off for the season. And Yusei's Nurkic with the broken ankle from a few weeks ago for Portland. Um, these team are, teams are pretty similar. In the last 10 games, you have Portland winning 6 out of 10. So, pretty even. But um, this one is this one is going to be a good series. It's going to be a good series. Uh, just all-star power alone, if you want to go all-star power and what the NBA wants, they're going to want Russell Westbrook and Paul George to go to the next level. Uh, their, star, their star power is just heavier than, than, than uh, Portland's. Um, but far as on a, on a court and the players on the court, offensively, I'm going to give the uh, edge to Portland. They score more. But the defense that OKC provides, uh, with Steven Adams and Paul George, Russell Westbrook, now he do defend. I ain't taking that away from dog. He's going to play some defense. Um, they, they play defense over there, Jeremy Grant. It's going to be – are they going to be able to keep up, you know, with Portland? And um, I think ultimately they will. I think they'll be able to keep up. And I think that the league, the league wants OKC to be uh, to, to advance. I think they need that. They need them going forward. You know, the, just big marquee names for the second round is bigger than Portland. Um, I don't think it's a young player on Portland that they're trying to get to elevate or things of that nature. So, uh I could see that one. But I could see this one going ultimately six or seven games. Six or seven games. And because of politics, I'm going to go with OKC for this series because of politics. Um, but um, it's going to be a real good series. It's going to be entertaining. I can tell you that. That beef, that beef is going to be fucking crazy. Here we go. Next game, my Detroit Pistons. Now, look, I know a lot of y'all going to be like, man, you just a homer. You just talking shit because this is your team and you from Detroit and all this bullshit. But this one is going to be closer than what y'all think. And I'm going to tell you why. When I remember when I told y'all earlier in the podcast that everybody's limping into the playoffs. Well, Milwaukee is crawling into the playoffs. Crawling. They have a lot of injuries from a lot of big players. A lot of big players. Not only just that, but Giannis Antetokounmpo, as great as he is, hasn't been putting up great numbers against the Pistons this season. And the big reason for that is Blake Griffin. We've seen him dunk on Blake this year. We've seen that shit. You know what I'm saying? That's a highlight. But that's just two points. His numbers for this season against Blake have not been that impressive. Not that impressive. Let me run down the players that are all out. Dante DiVincenzo. See what he did to us in Michigan last year in a national championship. Malcolm Brogdon, the starting shooting guard, former rookie of the year. Nikola Miritich, a player that they traded for. 
Giannis is probable with the calf. He's been dealing with this calf the last couple of weeks. He's been it's been bothering him. Tony Snell's out with the ankle. Paul Gasol is out. Now look, a lot of these players that they traded for, like Gasol, he was a a buyout casualty, and Miritich. But they traded players away from Miritich to get Miritich. They they are limping, limping into the playoffs. As of right now, the starting lineup, the best shooter on their team is Blake is uh Brooke Lopez. Um, Giannis can't shoot. And um maybe LeBron can't shoot. Blesso, uh Blesso. He can't shoot. The key for the Pistons to win in this series is go zone. Go zone. Don't let Giannis do all that driving and dunking and all that bullshit. Keep them out of transition. Go zone. Another thing is, remember when I told you guys earlier, the game slows down in the playoffs. It slows down dramatically. And one thing that the Pistons have is free throw shooting. The Pistons, Blake Griffin is one of the leaders in free throw shooting. He draws fouls and gets to the paint and shoots free throws. Reggie Jackson gets to the paint, draw, you know, and shoots free throws. Now, this is the key. Andre Drummond gets a lot of fouls. They foul Drummond. And a lot of times they foul him because he can't shoot free throws. But if you get somebody like Blake that's drawing fouls and, and Drummond that's getting a lot of fouls, the Pistons can be in the penalty and get a lot of points from the free throw line. It's the playoffs is going to slow down. That's the key. Milwaukee is still the favorite to win this series. But coming up in my first to the pod, I'm gonna give you my first to the first to the party podcast prediction. My 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 future, either Houston or Milwaukee will be eliminated in the first round. One of the two MVP candidates will be eliminated in the first round, and the other one will win it. And I'm really leaning towards Milwaukee being that team that's get eliminated in the first round because of them limping into the playoffs. They are very banged up. They got a lot of players hurt, a lot of key players hurt. They're going to be playing young players in the playoffs just like we're playing young players in the playoffs. It's going to come down to coaching. And Mike Budenholzer, who just won Coach of the Year, will be going up against Dwayne Casey, who is the reigning defending Coach of the Year. One thing that we can't deny is the big acquisition of Dwayne Casey and leading this team to the playoffs. Yeah, we're the AC, but we are in the playoffs. The emergence of Luke Kennard coming up lately. Blake Griffin is a superstar. Yeah, he's limping into the playoffs. Well, they've been resting him or what? We don't know. We don't know the issue over Luke or uh, Blake Griffin. We just know he ain't been playing lately. He's been out. But he's probable for, for the game tomorrow. But the Piston team has been playing a lot better since the trade deadline. Drummond has been... A lot better. Reggie Jackson looks healthier, a lot healthier, and I think you gotta, you have to credit that to the return of Arnie Kander. For all my Piston fans out here, don't go into this being, being, being uh, negative about it. This is going to be a close game. I mean, a close series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pistons win Game One. I wouldn't be surprised. Because of the fact that the game slows down, this Milwaukee team hasn't been on top like that. For you know, they they're the number one seed. But remember, they went they were bouncing the first round last year, 
in this series where everybody was picking on the beat Boston without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and everything, they got bounced. And I think the reason why they got bounced was because of that zone and forcing them to shoot. Now, a lot of their shooters is out with Miritich, Brogdon, DiVincenzo, Tony Snell. A lot of those guys is out. They're going to be going up in there against Sterling Brown and uh, Delvadova and players like that. You got to go out there and, and, and push them. Push them. And Piston fans, we got to get out there and support this team. Get out there and get to the games. I'm expecting some sellouts for this game, for these games, for these home games with the Pistons. But um, like I said, man, my prediction for this series, like I told you, it's either going to be Houston or, or, or Milwaukee getting bounced in the first round. So I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave that shit right there at that and go Pistons. Go Pistons. Let's go Blake. Let's get this motherfucker. Uh, the next game, Rockets Jazz. Come on, Stanley, coming up right next to each other. Uh, y'all know James Harden. I love James Harden, and, and uh, I love his game. I love his game, flat out. I love James Harden. He's like my favorite player in the league right now. Um, playoffs. <laughs> Harden does take a step back. I'm, uh, I'm not going to sit up here and fabricate in front. Harden does take a step back, and he has an issue. He's not same Harden. But like I just said in the last, with the last game, these teams, the games slow down. And if the games slow down, it's going to feed into Utah's hands. Last year in the playoffs, Utah was in it. The series with Utah and Houston, it was – I gave the edge to Utah. The only thing that happened was Donovan Mitchell got hurt. Donovan Mitchell got hurt last year, and it hurt him. It hurt Utah. When he went down, that's when the series changed. But when he was playing, Utah was dominant. And a lot of reason why they were dominant was because of the defense. They have defenders up and down this, up and down this roster. Up and down the roster. This is the basically the same team coming right back and just a little bit more healthier. Um, Rubio's probable. Gobert's ankle, but he's probable. Exum's out for this season. Other than that, this team is the same team. And the other side, on the other side, Houston, there, there are no injuries, but they have a lot of players that they don't even that they just picked up throughout the regular season. A lot of players. This 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 series is gonna be really good. This one's gonna be really good. And to be honest, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Utah and Detroit both be, put them two out. Milwaukee because of the injuries. And Utah because I just think they match up better with Houston. They just match up with Houston. The defense, they can guard, they can just guard them. They can guard them in every every position. Chris Paul, his injury history. What, Will his hamstring flare up again? Will he go down again with another hamstring? We don't know. I know that with the free throw shooting, the hard and things of that nature, I know that's going to happen. But Utah's just going to have to fight through that and play through it. They're going to have to play through it. But that shit said, man, I don't know. I can't even I can't even make a prediction for this one because I look at the, the matchup last year in the playoffs and how well a rookie Donovan Mitchell played against Houston. And they basically was a better team, if you ask me. A lot of issues happened in Houston this year. 
a lot of players sat up there and said that they weren't having fun this year. But, uh, I mean, they did add, you know, Amon Shumper, who's a veteran, who's been there, been deep in the playoffs. and was having a really good year for Sacramento, good defender, three-point shooter. P.J. Tucker, they got a lot of rough riders. They got a lot of tough guys that's going to get out there and knock somebody around and not let nobody just go in there and do whatever the fuck they want to do. So they are better at that. Chris Paul, you know, he's healthy right now. And Eric Gordon, he was one of those players that said he wasn't having a, uh, uh, a good time this season. So we're going to see what's going to happen with this team too, man, with the, with these, with this series. This, I think this one's going to be a really good series. And I think uh, you can see Utah pulling off the upset. We already know the atmosphere in Utah. It gets loud in there, and it's hard to play there. And I think with a healthy I believe this. With a healthy Donovan Mitchell last year, I believe Utah was gonna put was gonna put them boys out of there. And I think that this year, with a Donovan Mitchell with a lot more experience than he had last year, if they stay healthy, they can put their ass up out of there. That's my playoff uh preview for you for uh for this playoffs this year. On my next one, on my next uh, segment, I'm going to give y'all my first to the party predictions. So stay tuned. Back with my first to the party prediction. I, don't know, I just told y'all this on my uh, playoff prediction, but uh, I think it's going to be, like I said, that my playoff prediction, my first to the party prediction for this episode is going to be um, either the Rockets or Bucks being put out in the first round. Y'all heard it here first. So y'all I want y'all to get on y'all Facebooks and Twitters and whatever and tell it. Y'all heard it from eight our fudge first. Let them know y'all heard it from your from your man's first. Another thing I want to get into is I want to uh speak on uh, the death of Nipsey Hustle and get my condolences out to Lauren London and her family and uh also the Nipsey's family. Um this one was tough, man. This one was tough. Uh, we lost a real one. Also a key figure in the community. Um, and this one felt like uh, 96, man. This one felt like September 96. So uh, I wanted to give my condolences there. Um, another one, another thing I want to talk about is uh, some boxing. A little bit of boxing. I'm heavy into boxing. Um, congratulations from a couple of weeks ago to Earl Spence on a dominant pound-for-pound victory over Mikey Garcia. And last night we seen Lomachenko. Lomachenko went out there. Handle business in four rounds. Knock my man out. So um, looking forward to the future of boxing. We got some big fights coming up that I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about the um, uh, Crawford-Kine matchup that's coming up soon. Um, we're going to talk about the Jarrell Miller-Anthony Joshua matchup that's coming up soon. And the Dominic Brazil-Deontay uh, Wilder matchup that's coming up soon. Uh, big boxing matchups coming up. Uh, the Shakur Stevenson situation. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it for this episode. I want to thank everybody that contributed to this, uh, to this process. Thank you to my man, Big Speech, Tim Griggs. Uh, thank you to Ashley Hardison for the, for the logo. And thank you to everybody, my supporters, everybody that's been pushing me lately to be consistent with this shit and really push this shit out. Again, it's your boy, Al Fudge, and thank y'all for listening to First of the Party.